Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament, chapter 17. Chapter 17. And for an introductory idea, a little glimpse into my prayer life uh, when my wife and I were raising our children. Now my kids are in their 20s. We would probably, as religiously as anything we did, we prayed for our kids every night. Either she would or I would, and we would do it together. We would go into each one of their rooms, and we would pray for them every night. And part of my routine with my kids is I prayed over them what I called secret prayers. If you've been to any class that I've maybe taught, I've shared that a little bit around the church, but I don't know if I've ever shared it uh, uh, in the auditorium here. So a glimpse into my secret prayers for my kids. It wasn't uncommon for me to go in there, and we'd pray about all kinds of things as we would, they'd be getting ready for bread, for bread. We always ate, we always ate bread. Before we did the secret prayers, we would, okay. Um, And so we'd pray about all this stuff, and then I would say out loud over my kids or to the men, Father, I pray my secret prayers over Isaac or Leah or Anna. And sometimes the kids would say, Dad, what are the secret prayers? And I would say, I can't tell you because they're a secret. And eventually I told them as they uh, got older, moved out. But I don't think I told them until all of them were, you know, older-ish. So here's the unveiling of my secret prayers. Here it was. First secret prayer I would pray, uh, I would pray for the day of their salvation, for their personal encounter with Jesus Christ that they would get born again. They would understand there's a difference between just like believing in God, but they would have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. I prayed that. Uh, I prayed that sin would be distasteful. I knew, because the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I knew that my kids would sin at different points, so I just secretly prayed, Lord, when they sin, I hope it'll be a horrible experience for them. You might want to write that one down. (laughs) And then the other is I prayed for their spouse, that they would end up marrying a godly spouse who actually loved God and Jesus Christ more than they would love my daughters or sons. I prayed those three prayers for them. By the way, I did some math, and over each of my kids, I probably prayed those uh, prayers more than 7,000 times over the last 20 years over my kids. Um, A couple thoughts. One, if you don't have any ideas of what to pray over your kids, there's some ideas for you. And uh, the, uh, the other, oh, by the way, just for clarity, I also prayed other things, like when my son was on the free throw line in a basketball game, I would pray, oh, God, help him make it, like stuff like that. Those parent prayers, I pray that my daughter's volleyball team would win. I prayed this one. I'm guessing most parents have prayed this prayer. Oh, God, will you help Billy stop throwing up? Did you ever have one of those nights where you're like, seriously, intervene, God. 
because we're out of sheets or whatever. Okay. Prayed those prayers. But I, I share the idea of my secret prayers to get us to the point where we might agree on this. Prayers reveal priorities. Does that make sense? They really do. If we looked at my secret prayers, those were the highest priorities that I had for my children. We can learn about people in the Bible by studying their prayers. We can learn about their priorities. In Jonah, the book of Jonah, Jonah's inside the belly of a fish. How does that work? I don't know. But it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. Guess what he prayed about? Stuff connected to why am I in the belly of the... He didn't pray about politics or the... He was like, that's what he prayed about. In 1 Kings, there's a story about a prophet, a man filled like with the power of God. And he had a heart for a woman, a single mom in the community... And he took kind of extra care for her, and her son died. He wasn't very old, but he died. And it says that the prophet found out, and he goes and uh, he stretches himself out on this little boy who had died three times, and he prays. Well, guess what he prays about? His priority, which was, oh, Lord, let this boy's life return to him. We know what he was thinking. Uh, Some of the things that we can see in people's prayers might be unique. We might think, wow, that's an interesting priority to make a request to God. Um, Samson, Bible character, Old Testament, who fairly regularly would have supernatural strength for a man, and uh, he would fight against his enemies and really kind of God's enemies, the Philistines. But long story short, the Philistines take over Samson, and he ends up being a slave for the enemies. And so at one point, what his prayer, his last recorded prayer for Samson was this. Uh, Samson prayed to the Lord, please God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow, this is his prayer, God help me get revenge on the Philistines, his enemies. And it's unique. God actually gives him strength. So anyway, prayers reveal priorities. So hold that thought. We're in a series through the book of John, and we're going to apply that principle to uh, some prayers of Jesus. So we're going to learn about Christ's priority by looking at some of the things that he prayed in a specific prayer. By the way, Most of what Jesus prayed about, we do not know. There are all kinds of records of him going up on a mountain and praying like all night. Or in Luke chapter 5, it says, very early in the morning, he went out to a solitary place. We know he went out there to pray, but we don't know what he prayed about. But there are a few recorded prayers in the Bible. And in John 17, there is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. The whole chapter, there's, I think it spreads over a few chapters. Great study if you want to know what was in Jesus' heart. Uh, so we're going to learn about that uh, from a specific section. So let me tell you what's going on. Jesus is toward the end of his earthly ministry. He's getting ready to go to the cross. Um, and so he, he prays about the end of his ministry, that he will have strength. 
he um, prays about getting ready to leave. He prays that God would get glory. We talked about that during the worship time, that he would have strength to finish the work. He shifts then his prayer to his 12 primary disciples. So he talks to the Lord about stuff, and then he prays for the 12 apostles or primary disciples. And then he makes another shift, and he prays for us. So let's pick it up in verse 20. He just finishes up praying for the apostles or the 12 primary disciples. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's most of us. Most of us are believers, followers of Jesus. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And let's also bounce to verse 24, one more thought. He goes on to say, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. In that section, I see two apparent priorities of Jesus, really prayers of Jesus regarding us. title of the talk is Jesus Makes a Prayer Request. And the rest of our time, it'll be a little different. A lot of times here, we will really focus our talks on how we can have the Lord help us through situations or how we can navigate this life. A lot of the talk today is about how we might be a blessing to God. Those of us that know Jesus as our Savior, we know all the things that he's done for us. This is kind of the flip-flop thing of here's some ideas that we might in some ways be an answer to Jesus' prayer and therefore honor him. Uh, so let's pray. I'll give you a couple ideas. Father, thanks for all you have done for us, but in recognition of what Jesus' priorities were here in this prayer, will you talk to us that we might somehow today or this week um, do something wonderful for you? As usual, if I stand up here and talk and you don't enter the room and you don't help through this teaching, It won't work. So will you be our teacher today? In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas from the text. Thinking, the first one is this. Thinking of us, Jesus prayed for family unity. Family unity. And when I say that, not like our biological family, but the church family God's children, family, unity, that we would all get together and stay unified. Uh, I get that from verse 20, 21. It's the first thing we read. I pray also for those who will believe in me through the message that all of them may be one. This word one means one. It means together, one. 
It means uh, the primary number one. A little bit expanded on the definition as I read a paragraph to help know more about this word. It means agreement. It means in common. It means unified as opposed to many or scattered. So it's a pretty easy concept to understand, I think. But I was pondering, I wonder what was in Jesus' head when he prays, God, I pray that they would be one. And here's my theory. Because Jesus just got praying for the 12, I think Jesus recognized or realized maybe, wow, it wasn't easy to get 12 guys on the same page. Are you with me? What in the world will it be like when there's 3,000? By the way, if you look at Acts chapter 2, because Jesus knows the gospel is about to explode and grow, and they're going to go from a few Christians to thousands of Christians to tens of thousands of Christians to, over time, millions of Christians. And I think with that in mind, Jesus thinks, oh, he might have thought, oh, what a mess. But he, but he probably thought, oh, Lord, I need to pray for them that they will still know how to be one. Uh, and just for the sake of the study, to be clear, just the 12, they struggled with this. In Luke 22, it records a dispute arose among the 12. There are other times when a couple of them would have ideas and the rest of them would be on a different page, apparently. One of my favorite examples of this is James and John. Uh, this is worth looking up, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But the disciples and Jesus, they're headed to Jerusalem and they're going to walk, they're going to go through a town in Samaria. And the Samaritans hear that Jesus is coming through town and they stop him and basically say, we don't want you in our town. And two of the disciples get this bright idea, Lord, I don't know why this just cracked, I don't know if it cracks me up, but Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Do you think Jesus ever thought in the back of his mind, can I have a new 12 Because they've been with him like months and all this stuff and he's talking about and you know that he came to save the lost and they're like ah oh, these guys we don't can we toast them can we can we use some of that fire and bam Jesus like God <laughs> maybe not anyway it was just two of them two of them get this bright idea bad idea so anyway you got the disciples going all kinds of different direction here's the idea something you can Write down, if there were divisions with a few, what will happen when there are many? Maybe that, I think part of that was what was in Jesus' mind when he prays into the future for us. And I just would submit to you, it's a great prayer because it is not easy for us as uh, children of God to stay or keep or get on the same page. Is it not easy to just be divided about things? By the way, part of those divisions are why we have Baptists and Methodists and Catholics and Lutheran. It's because something would come up and instead of staying unified, there would be these 
splits, and little simple things. It's easy to be a creator of distance between Christians instead of unified. Things like, well, which Bible version do you read? Oh. Does that, you know, like little things, or you read the Bible off your phone. You don't even use, you don't use a paper Bible? Oh, I'll pray for you. <laughs> or, or you still use a paper Bible? What? How old are you? Or, you know, these little things that get in our way, different language things that we use, or are you, oh gosh, you raise your hands during worship, and you move, you know, or you don't raise your hands, or does that, no? Isn't it easy to let that stuff creep in, and, and instead of being unified, we are not? I know there are things here at the vineyard we do, and these people probably are no longer here because they came here for a little bit, and then they saw what we did and went, I'm out of here. Because little, sometimes little things, cough, coffee. We have coffee inside, like we all drink coffee in church. And I, I remember one specific guy years and years ago flipped out because somebody, it, during the service, this was in our old building, and... and um, we just rented this little building, and he flipped out because somebody during worship went out to refill their coffee. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dude, you're going to have to get over that because, <laughs> anyway, all right, uh, one more thing regarding this division, and it's easy to be uh, divided. This is not something that's just happened over the last generations or the, or the last centuries. Within a few generations of the church, the early church, when Christianity started, Paul, one of the apostles, writes to the church in Corinth. And the first thing he brings up to teach them or to challenge them is in chapter 1, verse 10, and he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. And he goes on to describe what he's hearing about the church and how it's divided. Then in verse 12, he says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, well, I follow Apollos. These are all different teachers in the body of Christ. I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. And so there were these divisions happening back then. That's what Jesus is praying about way back then. Oh, God, help him with that stuff. So let's bring it into the room even more so. If you want to be a blessing to God, if you want to kind of be like be an answer to Jesus' prayer 2,000 years ago, here's an idea. Choose, you can write this in, choose to minimize divisions. Just decide. I might not totally agree on that thing, but it's a fairly small thing, and stay unified anyway. I'm going to give you some hints. Uh, I was talking about this idea with a couple staff, and this, they said those would be good things to put out there. These are things that I do to try to get that done. These are not fill-in-the-blanks, but they'll come up on your, the screen. Here's some hints. First one is recognize what I would call spiritual paper cuts. Have you ever had a paper cut? And when it first happens, you think, I'm going to die. I'm going to die because this hurts really bad. 
But I think there are moments that we have spiritual paper cuts. In the moment, you see something in someone and you're like, oh, I can't believe. Would you just give it a couple minutes and think about it and realize, is this really that big of a deal? I think it'll help us have unity. Uh, the other, another hint, got three of them, is to emphasize the cross. Keep going back to the center of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. We already read in verse 12, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas. Uh, the next verse after that, Paul is trying to get them to recenter and not be so divided. He says, is Christ divided? And then I love this. He says, was Paul crucified for you? Which brings perspective. And I don't know, for me, it just centers me on, oh, we're probably talking about tangent things because the most important thing is, do we agree that Jesus died on a cross for our sin? And I can probably overlook some of the smaller things because we're gathering around the cross. Emphasize the cross. The last idea is to identify as family. In other words, don't forget that if they're connected to the foundational principles of the gospel, that's your brother in Christ or that's your sister in Christ. And I have to think that God as a father looking down and seeing his children get along is probably a blessing to him. We had a family birthday party thing this last Sunday, and uh, it was, it was, the weather was really nice, and we played, you ready? Some, croquet. Yeah. Are you kidding? So there's some young people going, is there an app? <laughs> no. It's like this old timers game with a, how many of you don't know what croquet is? Oh, you all do? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> It'll change your life. Not, it's really not. It's a game with sticks and balls in you. It's, if you've ever seen black and white television, they probably, <laughs> yeah, that was before too. Never mind. Okay, so we played this outdoor, it's a lawn game that we play outside. <laughs> But while we were playing it, my kids were there, and their spouses were there, and we were all just there. And I just had a moment, a dad moment, where I thought, I'm so glad my kids get along. That, so anyway, I have to think that God also just appreciates when it's... All right, first idea was that. Thinking of us, Jesus prayed for family unity. The second idea is thinking of us, Jesus prayed for continued connection. We talk about this a lot around the church, but this is the reality that he died on the cross, rose from the grave, and wants real relationship with us. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Probably two applications for that, theologically. One is, he's saying, I want them to be with me in heaven, eternity. And the other is, I want them to be with me now, during this life, as we walk through life, interacting, walking in the presence and relationship with God on a daily basis. Uh, common social thought now. Have you heard of 
people who, as they get older and they've had kids, and then they uh, look forward to being an empty nester. Have you heard of that? So my wife and I have been through that, the empty nesting. And generally, culturally, that's one of those things where we're like, yeah, that's going to be so great when the kids are gone. Out of the house. No? Out of the house. Some of you are daydreaming about this right now because your kids are small. Um, I think it has different levels. My wife and I, when our kids began to move out, we actually had a little bit of a season where we were like, no, don't, don't go because I, like, I want you to stay. We got over it. But we, for a moment, <laughs> sort of, I don't know. We just, we like our kids. Okay, anyway, empty nester kind of a thing. Here's the deal. I don't think God ever gets joy of thinking, I'm, I'll be so glad when you are farther away from me. That is not in his heart ever. Is that crazy? It's not in his heart. By the way, you may have thought of this already. At no point in scripture do we become adults of God or peers. We're always his kids. So here's the fill in the blank. Apparently our Savior never gets tired of our presence. We'll finish our time by talking just a little bit about the crazy love of God. Um, The reality that for me is beyond making sense that Jesus would really want us close to him that badly. Because I know a little bit about me or us. And by the way, Jesus' experience, we've walked through this before, I think. Jesus' experience, this is crazy. Jesus would leave heaven to come to earth to be with us. Heaven's amazing, perfect, wonderful, no pain, no tears. Oh, no, I'll go hang out with humanity. That's crazy. Then he gets here. Of course, a few disciples, they start to believe in him. Most people just won't believe in him. Most of humanity that he interacts with decides after three years, kill him. That's, and yet he still has compassion, still dies on the cross. He still prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Dies, raises from the grave. If I were him, I'd say, whew, my job is done. I'm going back to heaven. No, he hangs out for a while. He says, go tell the disciples I'm here, wants to be with them. Eventually, he does go to heaven, sends the Holy Spirit. The whole thing points toward his reality of, I want to be with these people. And it's an authentic want. Verse 24, when he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. It doesn't say, uh, I guess I have to, or the word there for want, it's to will. It even includes to wish. I just wish, hope for this closeness with these people. Here's, this will come up on the screen. It's just another word or language to consider this. Jesus not only loves us, but apparently likes us. That's crazy. But of course, it raises the opportunity for us, will we, will we like him back? 
enough to be close to him. Last fill in the blank, and then we'll tease it out just a little bit. Be a Christian that hangs out with Christ. Be a Christian that sets aside time or includes him in your drive to school or I was going to say your daily walk but how about instead of when you're going walking you include him with for some of us how about you decide I'm going to go for a walk with the Lord like this afternoon just me and him just going to go for a walk and and dialogue with God. You know those, some of those special things you would do for a, a friend in your life? By the way, a great place to try this might be to schedule on your calendar to come to one of our open prayer and worship gatherings. We're doing these now three times a week, and it's really an hour and a half. You don't have to be here the whole time of hangout time with God. Here's when we do those things. I just participated and helped lead the Thursday one this last week. But put something on your calendar or do something spontaneously that is, in, that is very relational with God. Let me give you a couple unique things that I've done during seasons of my life. Remember there was a time, for a long time I've used the Lord's Prayer as an outline for prayer. And I would walk through my neighborhood and I would actually pray for uh, the neighbors, some on my walk. But when I would remind myself of our Father in Heaven, if you know the Lord's Prayer, and I would pray it, my Father in Heaven. I would remind myself that He's my dad, I'm His kid, and I would, while I was walking through the neighborhood, just for a moment, I would raise my hand and pretend to grab his hand as I would walk, because I'm the kid, he's the dad, and I would pretend I was walking through my neighborhood holding the father's hand and also hoping that my neighbors would never see me <laughs> do it. Hey, just being real, right? But I remember doing it even though I was, felt like I would look like a weirdo, but I remember doing it because I thought, Lord, if... if I just want you to know I, I am trying to be close to you. Those things. Uh, there's a season where I would uh, make sure the last thing I did at night was to read part of the Bible. And then different times, I, I did some interesting things in my spiritual development. I remember going to sleep with my Bible on my chest and thinking, maybe it'll like seep into me, Lord, because I'm not a great reader, but if you could, like I just did stuff, and I think I did that. I have to think that the Father, because you do, a lot of you do those things, right? You get a cup of coffee, and you sit there, and you go to your, this special place where you sit with your coffee. Why? Because you really want to be with the Lord. That's what I'm asking you and encouraging you. Keep doing those things. If you've never done some of those things, do something today for him like that. 
Because I think it can be an answer to his prayer and a blessing to his heart. So just to recap, thinking of us, Jesus prayed for family unity, and he prayed about continued connection. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.